So just take your stuff, rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the wait is up WHUPLP Hillsboro, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. I am Jeff Shaw, and it's my favorite day of the week. It's Sunday, the day I get to talk to my friends about face punching, body kicking, gi grappling, and all that other great stuff. With me, as always, my co host, Trevor Hayes. How's it going today, Trevor? Just good. <laughs> Just good. <laughs> So we're coming to you live on 104.7 FM, streaming live at whoopfm.org. We're excited to have two guests in the studio today. For our new segment, we're going to interview Daniel Branch, the head case from Gracie Raleigh, about his pro fight this coming weekend. For our featured interview, we'll interview Cody Malte, who is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, successful professional fighter, and who is opening Elevate MMA Academy right here in the Triangle to teach MMA to all you good people. So we're stoked about that. But first, before we get to those two gentlemen, we're going to summarize a little bit of martial arts news from the weekend. As always, if we missed anything, you can let us know. We're on Twitter and Instagram at CagesideWHUP, CagesideWhoop. You can also shout us out using the CagesideWhoop hashtag. Get at us via email, CagesideWhoop at gmail.com, and on Facebook at CagesideRadio. You can always catch the replay of the show at, at WhoopFM.org or on iTunes or Stitcher, where you should subscribe. And if you like it, leave us a review. So two things are happening. One just happened. Well, actually, for the new segment, we have one thing that just happened and one thing that's happening. And let's get to the upcoming event first. Trevor, this coming weekend... Next Level Fighting, going to have an event at Dorton Arena in Raleigh. The yeah, 23rd. Pro Fighting comes back to Raleigh, and I'm really excited. It's also not just Pro Fighting. It's a it's the Kerr Scott Building, the Kerr Scott building <laughs> at the fairgrounds. We said the Dorton Arena. Did we? We did. You've yeah, been saying the Dorton Arena. Oh, we have been? Oh, That's man. True. man. I got corrected by Daniel Branch. I'm Good. <laughs> but this is I a have short-term right? memory, Wells. So I'm surprised uh, I even remember where right. it's at. I wonder how many concussions <laughs> we all have between us in this room. Uh, well, let's not let's not think about that. Yeah. It, this is actually Anyways, really Okay, so to the Kerr Scott Building... Uh, no, uh, it's not just that it's pro fighting coming back. Is that it's a new promotion coming to town, um, which me I'm all about. You know, new shows coming to town, and these guys, uh, from what it seems like, they they've taken care of you know fighters uh, from their shows. They've, I mean, of like every promotion has guys that they really look out for, but it seems like uh, the guys really just trying to put on good shows mm -hmm. and. Uh, brain fights the area, and I could not be happier to go watch uh, Daniel here mm -hmm. go punch somebody. It's been a while, and that's a lovely oh, segue. Man, that's I seem like you from like, your first fight. It's been like a year and a half yeah. since I fought. Yeah, it has been, man. It's been a while. But no, it's because I, I remember like before you even first fought, it was like when I first met you, and now you're a pro, and you're a big boy. Mm -hmm. So like Daniel Branch, who is in the studio with us with, from Gracie Raleigh, this will be his second pro fight, and you haven't fought in a year and a half because you're coming off an injury. And maybe you could tell us about that injury to start. Yeah, I was actually um, training. So I, I fought in June 2014, and I was training for a fight in like November of 2014 and I was sparring and hyperextending my knee and you know I didn't think it was I was kind of in denial at first but when I was told ACL and oh it's going to be nine months to a year I'm like you're crazy so I was like freaking out and you know when it's something such a big part of your life and you get such devastating news it's it's kind of crazy but it's it's been a long road it's been a good experience and I'm just ready to come back how long have you been back at full speed, would you say? Since full speed, I started back maybe August, about half, and then probably full speed I was cleared like October 1st, I believe. 
I think one of the things that people underestimate about fighters is, you know, those hard times when you can't even train. Like you said, something's such a big part of your life, and, you know, you have to sort of, like, do all the rehab, do all the work to get back from that injury. So you must be really excited for this fight this weekend. Oh, yeah. I mean, I put in a ton of work. I was going to uh, Raleigh Orthopedic over the Exos over in Cary and um, working with them over there, and they, they have a pretty nice facility with turf and like a 20-yard turf, and we were doing a lot of lot of strength stuff. And, you know, it's it's just been a lot of push, 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 you know. And I feel good, like I said, so I'm just ready to go. So tell us about the fight this weekend. Who is the opponent, and what's your game plan? Fighting Dusty Shaw. He's out of somewhere out of Virginia, I believe maybe Richmond. Um, he's 2-1. and one. I was off – actually, I, I give a shout-out to Chris Connor. He, was, he offered me a lot of opponents and worked with me. A lot, you know, until we found the right fit because, you know, I'm coming off a loss and an injury and I don't want to take a, you know, necessarily stupid fight. So working with Brandon and the coaches, we decided this would be the best fight for me. He's uh, he's okay all around. He's got some striking and some grappling. He's going to be strong, which most people are stronger than me anyways, but uh, I'm just ready to go, man. Is this like fight I said, at 70 or 80? It's, it's like going to be at 70. It's okay. the first time I'm going to 70 and – about four years. So okay. yeah. So I remember like you were usually fighting at, like you're usually a smaller guy at eighty five. Yeah, you're that's good, that's the other reason. 70. That's yeah. the other reason. I yeah, small eighty five er. Um so I'm definitely going to one And 70. you just wanted to have that beach body by summertime. This is good motivation. <laughs> Dude, I look let me tell you, I I get my body comp done and I was at five point four percent body fat. And I still don't have a six pack. Oh. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrible, dude. I gave up on mine a long Brandon time. Brandon looked at right. me the other day. He pulled up his shirt. He said, "Look, I'm five percent. You're five percent." He's like, "What the heck, man?" I'm yeah. like, "Dude, I don't know. Genetics, I don't know what to man. tell you." <laughs> That's super unfair. It's like and, and like Bagels was telling me. John Bagels Telford was telling me after his interview that people were hating on him so much because he talked about I just eat McFlurries and I have a six pack. <laughs> no, if I do that, I'll be I'll be like I was when I when I was off from the surgery because I got all the way up to about. I was fluctuating from about 215 to 220 because I love to eat. And I imagine I'll probably – I don't want to do that this time, but I'm looking forward to some food, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I believe, what, what's the first thing you're going to eat after the fight? Going to cookout. And I told – I'm going to get ooh, every man. single yeah. thing they have in one milkshake. And if they have to put it in like two or three cups, that's fine because <laughs> we're in Raleigh you're and I know where to go. Through the window. Yeah, fill this sucker up. <laughs> That's a great answer. What, we we got to start talking with people about. That. I want to start talking with people with their favorite cheat meals and stuff because I you know when you're when you're when you're ready for that way in you're always thinking about that and I don't want you to be you know what you should be the first cookout sponsored fighter. Dude. That would be great. I could see that happening. You I have to fight totally Harold Hubbard. I'd have to be super heavyweight though. <laughs> oh come on. Actually, it's funny because you had a fight, an amateur fight against Harold Hubbard, my teammate, who is also like after his fights, we would always go to cookout, and so it's the, the battle of the cookout sponsored fighters. But so 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 you you, you you mentioned your coach Brandon Garner. Um, do you get to spar with Brandon much? What's it like training at Gracie Raleigh with all, with monsters like that? Uh, well, he hasn't been sparring recently because I think he's had some back troubles and whatnot. Um, but even when I do. Don't let the size fool you, dude. He's put a hurting on me so many times. I remember we were at the other gym one time. He, he's like, yeah. He's like, let's spar. Put the MMA gloves on. I'm like, all right. He's like, he's like, well. And then he picks me up, does like some kind of suplex. I swear my feet almost hit the ceiling. And I landed and ended up getting bursitis in my elbow. He's like, yeah. I wanted to show you because you were st- getting too close to me and standing too straight up. That's what would happen. I'm like, well, thanks. After he slams me on the ground. And granted, I'm I weigh like thirty or forty pounds more than he does, but now he's really 
we have some I've been working with a lot of big guys every strong big guy we have to prepare for this dude and um Brandon really helped me out with my diet and stuff and getting that on point like seriously I and my conditioning like I'd really really kind of did it done it without him like I really didn't realize how smart he was when it came to that stuff um uh with your training uh and you said you have bigger guys you've been training with Harold Hubbard and Chad Tyler two guys that you have fought do you find that as like kind of like advantage you guys all kind of know each other's holes in your games you've been able to work with each other and just having bigger experienced guys to work with because are you you're one of the bigger guys well you have Matt Gordon over there at Gracie Raleigh but are you one of the bigger fighters there yeah actually I probably am yeah the biggest well David Grissom but he doesn't uh, show he, up that he's often he's like a big little guy He's, he's my height. He shouldn't be that big. Yeah. <laughs> Neither should I have been. But no, I have Matt. Matt, I work. I work with Matt a lot. Um, at least one day a week. I have Chris Luter. He's oh, Luter, he's yeah. a lot stronger than he looks. Trust me. <laughs> and Matt's freaking strong. And I had a couple other wrestlers, smaller wrestlers. Um, actually, the other night when I came in, we had everybody I worked with was a wrestler, and it was like my worst nightmare. Four yeah. people, but uh. Yeah, working with Chad and Harold's great, dude. I love that we can that we can work with people, especially people that I fought. You know, Chad's pretty strong. I like working with Harold, you know. I just like being able to help them. They help me. You know, it's great. No, it's been good to see you. Yeah, it's like my favorite thing about this <clears throat> community right now is getting to see you three work together. It's like, oh, I didn't realize until you guys all walked on the mat, and I'm like, oh, man. Battle Royale. This. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> Fight over this money right quick. Like, just go for it. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been really cool to see. So. Yeah. So, um, on another note, how did Gracie Raleigh get to be the most fashionable team with the with the best haircuts and, and such? Is that was that something you guys planned, or is that something that just kind of happened? I don't know, man. I, tell it, you. I think it was Jason Jelen. When Jason, Jason showed up, yeah, he yeah. brought all that West Coast flavor, yeah. and then yeah. it was yeah. like nonstop Gracie Raleigh side parts, and yeah. then it was just like a arms race of who could have a bigger. Harder side. Part. He, he's been rocking that part like yeah. since he moved into town. He man. was like yeah. number one, and I think what happened was that we were right beside Arrow, <laughs> Arrow uh, Barbershop right there on Hargett Street. Yeah, Hargett Street, and we like it just go over there, and that was like their, you know, they're like an old school barbershop, and that's like their number one haircut. So, you know, a hard part. There you go. I mean, I don't know. I swear, it's like. 10 or 15 people in the gym have that haircut. It seems They're like, like the Bumpkin's haircut recently has like a hard part to a thing in the back. Oh, he's got like an undercut going it's now. It's like a man. Bowie tribute. Yeah. He has like a Bowie tribute, exactly. He has like an, a well-educated mullet on the top of his head. Ground like, control to Major Bumpkin. <laughs> so so uh, da- Daniel Branch will be fighting uh, the 23rd uh, in Raleigh. How can people get tickets? I know you have some, some shout-outs you want to give, but how can people get tickets so they can watch you do your thing? Uh, you can go on nextlevelfightclub.com slash tickets and be sure to use the promo code Daniel so I get credit for selling, you know, because if I don't, if we don't, I don't, let me tell you this, if you live in Raleigh and you're an MMA fan and you don't go to this event, there's something wrong with you because you have no excuses to go, you know, we, we want them to come back, so we got to show support. If, yeah. if you if you live in Raleigh and you're an MMA fan and you don't show up, Brandon Garner will come to your house and leg kick you. And I and think right now tickets are 30 bucks. 30, I mean, 30 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Just can't don't go that. out to eat the, like once this week and cut mm-hmm. back on a couple of beers and you'll be good to go. Yeah, you and can't we'll, beat we'll it. We'll post yeah. a link to, to, to the uh, the URL that Daniel just gave along with his promo code so folks that are fans of the show can go to our Facebook and click on that link and get tickets. 
Um, so, Daniel, did you have? Uh, I see that you have some things, some some folks you want to thank. Shout it out. Yeah, yeah I got a well written uh, note that was not written by him. Yeah, my wife, my my. Uh, <laughs> it's in pencil, not crayon. She's my marketing manager, but uh, I want to first off, I thank God for the ability to come back and train, and you know, without him, I couldn't do anything. And definitely, my wife, she deals with all my crap. She does so much meal prep for me. It's crazy. All my training partners, Gracie Riley, and like Trevor mentioned, Forge Fitness. Cauliflower Ear Club. The Cauliflower Sunday, Ear Club is what we called it Sunday, now on Sunday. Sunday, yeah. sparring. <laughs> um, and I also want to dedicate this fight to my grandma. She uh, She's battling uh, bone cancer, so she was just diagnosed, and so she's definitely got a harder fight than me, so I'm doing this for her. And my physical therapist, that helped me so much over at Raleigh Ortho, Dennis. He's actually going to be in my corner. I've got him coming to stretch me and stuff. That's going to be a new experience. Um and then my sponsors, Matt Ethel's Tattoo in Raleigh, Kirk Ray sponsor, sponsors me, Motion, Motion Adrenaline uh, Production Company, shoot commercials and stuff. He's always got my back, and I really appreciate that. And uh, one of my newest sponsors, GMP Automotive and Apex, they're a GM specialized repair shop, so hit them up. And then hopefully my soon-to-be uh, – job branch home improvement kitchen remodels and whatnot it's a family business me my father and uh, my brother started oh right on so we're gonna be doing that and actually nice. guy pendergrass just hit me up about getting an estimate oh look so at i'll that. give him a shout yeah. out too nice. but uh <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh the back uh, the after party is gonna be at the back bar at capital city tavern it's it's only been open for a few weeks since new year's and that is 109 south salisbury street so, so folks, go check out all those places. Check out our Facebook page for the link where you can buy tickets and get Daniel credit. Uh, uh, the password to the like the secret entrance for the after party is that you have to have a comb over and an undercut. Yes, <laughs> that is that is the number one rule That's to all. get into the after party. And oh, I I gotta find a hair assistant for in between rounds. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you're... get get old Mike to sit there and uh, try and like comb your hair like in between. Like you're doing fine, Daniel. Just... You you wrap my hands. Can you please do my hair? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we have a listener that'll volunteer for that. Well, Daniel Branch, the head case. Intern Chris. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's what interns are for. Yeah. Well, Daniel Branch, the head case, thank you so much for coming into the studio. It's been great to talk with you. Best of luck in your fight. Best of luck in all your future endeavors. And uh, we will be watching and hopefully uh, watching you win this Saturday. All right, man. I really appreciate the, y'all taking the time to have me. And No, thanks for driving out here. Yeah, no yeah. problem. You have a good, uh, like, you could rock a baby to sleep with your voice. I like it. <laughs> you well, you know, voice. and then I'm about to go. It's not bad because I can come here and then go to spar. And then, yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah. It's like a trip, a day it trip. Is. Yeah, right? Yay, bestie day. <laughs> well, those of us that aren't sparring, we're going to talk to Cody Malte in just a second as soon as I play this 15-second bumper. Jiu-jitsu is part of the solution. Jiu-jitsu saves lives. Like just on it. It's the Cape Side Concussion Cast on I have so much fun with you, with you guys. Just talking into the mics. I think yeah, right. The, the mics are hot. The mics are hot, fellas. That's over the microphone move has not been uh, learned yet. No, that's yeah, not smooth. I, I got to turn the levels down. That's my. That's on me. That's on me. But guys, so so we're gonna do. We're gonna finish out our news segment actually with Cody because the other news item: big U.S. grappling tournament in Raleigh yesterday, Dorton Arena. Really exciting event with with a tremendous venue and a lot of really entertaining matches. Uh, so I thought having Cody in the studio, the maiden voyage for your 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 team, Elevate MMA, and you having 11 matches, I thought it'd be fun to have you uh, help us recap. Yeah, definitely a lot to talk about. First things first, let's talk about who wasn't there. 
Intern Chris, not in the house. Oh. Yeah, man, I thought watch. you said you were coming out. Like Big grappling tournament yeah. at Dorton Arena. You're like, yeah, I'll stop by. And I was yeah. like, oh, sweet. Yeah, you know, we're, we're taking our Instagram account back now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, so so we'll start with some of the, the outstanding performances that I mentioned. I know Cody is one, was going to want to jump in on some of this. Nakapon Pungpong and his Beta Academy team came down and whooped a lot. Um, he, he Nakapon took four gold medals. Uh, you know he's an outstanding competitor, always has been. I lost to one of his guys twice, which was you know great. All those guys are so tough and so the little, nice. The little guy time. that you lost to in the nogi was was beta too. Yeah, Kelly mm-hmm. Quinn. Man. Yeah, yeah, those They're, guys were on fire yesterday. Yeah, really. And I, you know, I got some hurt feelings because man, Nakapon put it on me both times we went against each other, and then uh, even his student Isaac. It's Isaac, right? Yeah, yeah. it is Isaac. Isaac yeah. He got me in the absolute. So it's Isaac's also a great guy who's also really good at jujitsu. It's um, a tough day. I'm gonna find a fish that eats beta fish. <laughs> get a rash guard made of that <laughs> for the next uh, for the next tournament. Because the ba- the beta guys put it on me yesterday. So <laughs> it's mental fight strategy with Cody, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is why we bring you in the studio. That, now, now you're gonna see like Nagapon's gonna change it to grounded fight team <laughs> instead of elevated academy. Like, right. Subterranean academy. Yeah, and then it's just gonna be an arms race if we can change their name quicker. <laughs> so some of the other guys that did that had great performances. I want to shout out some of the people that got double gold. John Bagels Telford yep. uh, won double gold, and our our guest from last from the week before Bagels, Sarah Pirsanti, won a gold medal in her division. So the the the, the messages come. On the concussion cast, win gold medals. So True that. it was. Good. I mistimed my appearance. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's good that you were on the show just in time to get the good luck going. Yeah, no, good. no, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah no, good. we get the, got the karma, the concussion cast karma for Daniel's fight next weekend. Um, DeAndre Corbet won double gold at Purple Belt. Uh, unsurprising, that dude is a is a monster. Um, you have an upcoming match with him, don't you? I do, and we'll we'll preview that later because like because uh, we'll we'll give it an in depth preview. But me and DeAndre have a quote super fight unquote. I hate the term super fight, but me and DeAndre will have a match in a cage uh, February 27th. Uh, and out in Elizabeth City, really grateful to those folks for for taking that match. DeAndre is such an awesome competitor, so technical, so fun to watch, and we've actually weirdly never competed against each other. Yeah, I know it's strange. Um, I'm, I'm excited about that because we like to do a lot of the same things, and he's really, really good. So I know whatever happens in that match, I'll learn a lot of stuff, and we'll have a fun match. And I talked to him about it at the tournament, and basically, me and DeAndre have the same attitude, which is the more jujitsu we get to do, the happier we are and the better we feel. So, so that'll be fun. But he he won double gold, um, and that and you know another outstanding thing. And my roommate Alex Cummings also won double gold at Blue Belt, finishing five matches all within a minute. I think I think all of his finishes were under. And a his minute. first time up in the advanced, right? First time, first time he won advanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His second, his second makes advanced him aerodynamic. Yeah. And that's why he gets in so quick. It Dude. took me forever to even finish a match and. In a tournament, it, <laughs> it's hard to finish, guys, unless you're Alex Cummings, evidently. So, congratulations. The other thing that was awesome, you know, besides, well, first of all, the venue, man, to get oh, to Grapple that was Dorton so cool. Arena and yeah. just the visuals, and I think it have just made the, it. Have a you lot seen the pictures pain. popping up of yeah, people taking like the, the, sunset. the sunsets through yeah, like, the, was, the, was, the big windows cool, and the mats? I was like, like yo, the sunlight cool. filtering through bagels, flowing hair. locks. Yeah, I mean, it was just epic, epic visuals. Like coconut but, fumes coming off of his hair. And stuff. <laughs> the, one, the one thing about the venue, like for one thing, it was it was an amazing. I mean, all of what you said about the sunset was incredible. The fact that it he, the windows heated up the venue oh, in yeah. the morning. The fact that there was a reptile show going on with a big inflatable snake. They say state fair, bro. Wait, so they're okay. No, yeah, that is the crazy thing. Like I was like, reptile show, gun show, parking is gonna be so easy. So like reptile show, horse show, gun show. And then the usual flea market, flea market, yeah, flea market full market. of 
the weirdest stuff that you can find on the face of the earth. Yeah. Like it, it, like I'm. A it big, was a one stop shop for like <laughs> white trash. The, the best <laughs> apocalypse. The, the best thing is, is that you see these people from like the reptile shows and the gun shows walking in, and they're just like, God does not approve of these Dude. men on each other right now. What and is going I'm going on? To leave. See, like, I'm a big believer in weirdness. I love weirdness and especially the confluences of all these weirdnesses. Yeah. And so for me, it was like the perfect storm of like, weirdness. I saw a guy like, yeah, just we like need to get Uncle all that Cy. stuff just not even in different buildings, under yeah. one roof. Like, oh, yeah. can we get somebody? Riding a horse next to a grappling match while someone's got a reptile. I need to grapple a reptile. Yeah, yeah. I need to yeah. grapple a reptile. They stuff. Get an alligator suit when you go at it. Yeah, the only thing was like they they and they also had the, they also had the uh, the the the, gra- the, uh, the U.S. grappling poster up on their their digital billboard. So yeah. there's this big picture of bagels as you walk in, which was funny. I was like, there'll be no living with him now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing that was awesome. Eight black belts, I think. Yes, competing yesterday. Yeah, which is you know amazing to get that many matches in a black belt division. And I think it just speaks to the fact of like how good a job U.S. grappling is doing, and they've made it free for black belts. They're so welcoming. They give such a great competitor experience that I think now, as more and more black belts are popping up in the region, it's just kind of assumed that you're going to go on the mats and put it on the line. So it's really nice. Yeah, I was really happy to see the Carroll brothers come out. Yeah, um, like fun. those guys, man, are the nicest guys out there. If you don't know them, like they're super nice, and that's the first time I've seen them both compete at U.S. grappling. I think Joe has before once Joe as has a before. brown belt, but. Maybe a couple times, but yeah, I'm not like sure Roger, been, yeah. it was the first time I've seen Roger, his older brother, come out, and then um, there were two other black belts I didn't recognize. Yeah, I had Mackin's, no idea who they were, and I was like, "Oh, cool, this is great!" Like Matt yeah, Mackin Simmons here, UFC yeah. vet. He, uh, yeah. you know, was one of the best guys in the in the WEC right when that yeah. transition happened. I mean, that guy is legit, and it was funny between Mackins and then you know Roger. He was in the white Fuji gi. Yeah, that yeah, was him. Yeah. yeah, okay, that okay. Oh, that was him. I didn't recognize him. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't so, even I mean, recognize him. A lot of people him, yeah. are just looking at this guy. Like, Who's this random guy? It's like, oh yeah, that guy's been around the fight scene yeah. for the last fifteen years. You know, doing big things. So, did you have one match with Mackins or two matches in that? Just one. Okay. And so, like, and you know what you said before, I want to echo about U.S. Grappling doing a great job with the black belts compete for free policy because everyone wants to watch the black belts. And you, as a black belt, I can't. Rem- you had eleven matches yesterday. Yeah. And, and that's th- if you'd have told me a year ago that there will be eleven matches for a black belt local tournament, I would have been, I would have been pretty shocked. But it's really awesome. They, they used to, to scrounge up like the random like head coaches like that would come out and they'd be like are you guys competing all right can you two just hmm. please compete so we just have like, do, like, a black belt match, match like, yeah please. 11 that's that's like one time crazy. they had andrew smith and billy compete just because they're no they're black belts like can you guys just please do, please do this like mm. yeah see i think it just speaks to, you know you watch the region growing and growing and more and more talent coming in it's, it's gonna be an awesome thing i want to talk to you about how your school about your your, your school in their maiden voyage did but i want to shout Kung out full circle yeah I'm so happy <laughs> somebody needs to sing circle of life from lion king it's not going to be me actually it's probably going to be me i would it wouldn't been either me or cody no, that but was well seeing as how it's like my daughter's favorite video yeah <laughs> i watched that Every night, maybe four times a night. Who can say? So the last people that I noticed that that perform that perform really well, I wanted to. I refed some of these matches. Maggie McDowell from Lucas Laprie team and Isabella Pena from TFTC Academy uh, had some terrific matches in the women's division. They each got some golds and some bronzes, and those were some of the. Those were uh, in addition to the people that won double gold. I wanted to mention those two women as people that uh, performed really well. Um, so Cody, you brought four people from mm-hmm. Elevate, and let, 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 before I get ahead of myself, so Elevate MMA Out Academy opening in February. Yep. And this was your first competition as a team, and you brought four folks out, and maybe you can tell us how that went. So, yeah, so obviously we're not even open yet. We haven't really been having formal training. We haven't had formal practices. But one of my coworkers has two twin sons who happen to be redshirting as wrestlers at Campbell and uh, are, are pretty talented guys and very hard workers. And so 
I brought him in a couple of practices and, and guillotined him a couple of times and was like, don't let that happen. Imagine that. And then, <laughs> and then I put him in a gi one time and was like, this is what people might try to do. Don't let that happen. And then turned him loose. And uh, so one of them. I remember you said, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be really entertaining. And I was like, all right. Because I didn't know that you, you literally, they trained like a two, couple times. Yeah, they maybe had two hours of, of true jiu-jitsu training besides that just wrestling. And it was funny. That's hilarious. Bradley goes out first match. Tries a head and arm throw and, and separates his rib. Oh. And then with a separated rib, lasts about another three minutes before getting mounted triangle. He couldn't move. He just literally laid there but wouldn't give up and just tap. So he got he got a good uh, a lesson there and is probably going to have a couple weeks off the mat. I'm sure his uh, wrestling coach is not going to be too pleased. But then Brandon went in right after that and ran through that division, then lost his first match in the absolute, and then won his white belt division. So he had, I think nine or ten matches, got great experience, and, and had a good day. And I think for both of them, they got to learn a lot. And then Sean Kokar was in as well in uh, his first jiu-jitsu tournament, first time he'd ever competed. He's done very informal training before, like at the NC State Club, which incidentally is where I started many years ago. And so Sean came in. His, we trained again. We trained together a few times. And I was like, look, man, you know, there's no time like the present. Jump in. Do the competition. Worst case scenario, you lose. And instead, he won his division and took second in the absolute. So he had a really good day. I, some, I didn't know he was with you, but I was watching. I saw him compete with some guys from uh, Cary, and he was looking good. Yeah, I was that, impressed. That was impressed. He, he had a good day and it was really composed. And it's just funny when you throw guys into a competition scenario to see how they listen. Like some people tune you out completely and are completely in the zone and don't need to hear anything. And Sean was very much a guy who, you know, I say it, and he processes it, and he's going to get his... If I tell him to put his hand there, it may not happen immediately, but he's going to get it there over time. Mm-hmm. And, and he listened very well, so it was, it was, it was a fun experience, and so it's just very different. One, one thing I have to ask, um, yeah. you, you've very much come full circle, you could say, as far as now being a black belt, now having your own school, and now having guys compete. Were there a couple times... You coached against Jason Colbreth, right? How did... Because hmm. he's been, like, your longtime coach, and you guys still train together, like... How was that? Like, how did that feel? I just have to ask. Like, how was that? Like, a nostalgic kind of thing? Were you expecting to throw a shoe at you? <laughs> were you expecting more insults? Like, yeah, he kept his, his country fried insults to a minimum, <laughs> which was good. But uh, now to sit there, I think exactly like you said, full circle. It's an incredible experience to sit there next to Jason mm-hmm. and both coach each of our white belts against each other. Right. And, and it's very fun. And it's just fun to have that kind of community and to have been involved obviously I moved around a lot obviously I trained a lot in the military and everything else but I've always felt very connected to this community and so to come back and be ready to kind of take my place and and contribute as well to continuing to develop that is going to be a big thing that's awesome so we're going to get into our feet you know I'm a big believer in artificial uh segments so we're going to get into our featured interview with Cody right after I play this bumper. Wait, so what did we just do then? What well, was that? you know, it was it was a it was a more smooth segue that was like the than sneak I can imagine. Preview U.S. grappling wrap up. Exactly. I've I've a segmented mind, Trevor. Just be, bear with me. Besides, I, I, I love any excuse to play the sound from Dewan. Just let All Jeff right. talk. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting is, is wonderful, man. Fighting is, oh my God, it's, it's literally like a play. You can just be any character you want. It's the Cage Side Concussion Cast on whupfm.org. The Cage Side Concussion Cast is a free-flowing conversation that sometimes hinges on mature topics. And we're back with Cody Malte. And Cody, uh, you mentioned you got your start training at the NC State Club. And so I want to talk to you about your early days, how you got your start, and how that brought you where you are today. Yeah, so I'll go way, way back in time. I did karate as a little kid for like a year and a half. 
and it just so, it never really clicked or snuck or anything <laughs> stuck or anything else and then I wrestled in middle school and I wrestled one year and I went 0 and 8 and I was like well Ooh. I think we've gotten some really good feedback that I'm just not man, a good grappler on that one. yeah I was like man I just, I, apparently grappling's not my thing and uh <laughs> So I went in through high school playing different sports, and then in college, all of a sudden, I didn't have anything competitive anymore. And there was a guy who was a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps who was going to school to become an officer, and I was in school trying to become a Marine officer. And he was talking about going and doing jiu-jitsu all the time. And so literally he, so Jeremy Pack and this other blue belt, Nigel Keene, who were both training at Remo. So this is pre-Forge Fitness. So they were at Remo with Jason and Billy when Billy and Jason were still brown belts. And all they would talk about is training and everything else. And so basically I would get a once a week best of class of like whatever the best technique in their minds that Jason and Billy taught, they would teach myself and a few others. And I would go home and literally after two hours of grappling, I would literally just collapse on the couch and fall asleep for about five hours. And it was the most exhausting thing in the world. And they got ready to start Forged Fitness and it was opening day and everything else. And Jeremy's like, man, you got to you got to come out. It's 80 bucks a month. And my little college brain was like, I mean, that's at least like seven cases of beer. So I don't think (laughs) that's not a trade we can make, man. But uh, I kept grappling a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, I think three months after Forged opened up, I walked in and and Jason immediately made me row 500 meters for time and then threw me on the mats. And I think that same day, Nigel. beating you with like a foam noodle and yelling at you. (laughs) So that was my introduction to Jason. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, train twice a week. And then the next semester, I either rearranged my class schedule or changed or just skipped class. And I was training about 10 times a week from then until I graduated and and just basically completely falling in love with jujitsu and and grappling and everything else. We talked a little bit before the show about your fight philosophy. And you, you had said in an earlier interview that you consider yourself a fighter first. And I wonder if you could explain a little bit about that philosophy and did you always feel that way and how does that affect how you approach each of the the fighting disciplines that you've studied? Yeah, so I think, you know, my early training, I was 100% jiu-jitsu focused. I was doing jiu-jitsu, only jiu-jitsu classes. And then I started branching out and doing some Thai classes, but honestly, it wasn't a big focus for me and it wasn't something I was absolutely in love with. And uh, I was just kind of learning it to to try to become well-rounded in my mind. And then I took my first MMA fight thinking my jiu-jitsu was going to carry me through. And I was like, well, I know what's going to happen. The fight starts, and then all fights end up on the ground. Oh, yeah. And then, and then I submit the guy, right? And, mm-hmm. and then I win, and I retire 1-0 undefeated MMA. And I can always say that I fought MMA and I won. And that was my crazy mindset at the time. And instead, I, my how opponent didn't show up. How old were you at the time? I was 22. Uh-huh. I was up in Quantico, Virginia, training, going through the basic school of the Marine Corps. So I was in some pretty intense physical conditioning, but not getting a lot of training, didn't have a lot of serious training partners. But I talked Jason into coming up and cornering me. And uh, Gerard Sanders, if you remember him, oh, was on yeah. the same card. And so this Former, guy... Oh, we got yeah. so many stories with that guy. God. Virginia's like the Wild West of MMA. In Virgi- yeah, yeah, Virginia is, man. And so this is what was great is Gerard shows up to the weigh-ins, takes off his shirt, and all of a sudden Gerard's opponent didn't want to fight Gerard anymore. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> because each one, of, action figure. each one of his six-packs sprouted a six-pack at the weigh-in and that was some intimidation so that guy that guy was like look i'm not fighting him and uh my opponent didn't show up and so there was a three and oh lloyd irvin guy and who was supposed to fight gerard and instead i'm gonna fight him now and same thing i was like this isn't a problem 
jujitsu works, man. I'm going to take him down. I'm going to submit him. This is, this is how this is going. I've already seen the future. And uh, <laughs> so I pushed him up against the cage, and I tried to take him down, and he didn't fall down, and I was, I was confused. And Jason was like, run the pipe, run the pipe. And I was like, I don't really know what that is, Jason. But okay. All so, right. Sure. So it basically turned into like a nine-minute, all three three-minute rounds, just absolute knockdown, drag-out boxing match with him kicking me in the leg once in a while, but pretty much mostly just us boxing against each other. And he beat me. Obviously, had you know controlled the fight for the most part. And I got out of the cage and threw up. And at that point, I knew that uh, there was so much depth to fighting that I hadn't discovered. And that simply taking a little bit of knowledge that I'd gained of ground fighting wasn't going to carry me through. And then, interesting, so bringing back Brandon Garner, a.k.a. The absolute midget killer of the world. Realize I got Oh man, he used to slap me and trip me because I used to make short jokes on him and I stopped doing it. But anyway. <laughs> Well, I'm like almost as short as Rena. So it's, I mean it's a, it's a brotherhood of tiny little one thirty five. I've sensed a great disturbance in the forest. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, so here's what so here's Brandon's what happened outside is, just flexing, just waiting for you. <laughs> he's from Hillsborough. Yeah. Yeah, some of these people might be doing, listening in. Doing his deadlift, just getting ready for you in the snow. Just but he was. All, I had I had two weeks off in between when I finished the basic school and I had to move out to California, and Brandon was like, okay, I'm going to meet you every day at 10 a.m. And sometimes those situations were very technique based, and sometimes it was literally let's do 10 three minute rounds. And Brandon just kind of beating on me, but he kind of started really. That was when I started laying my base as a fighter, and then I moved out to Team Quest and got a lot of wrestling, got a lot of striking, and then. Um, you know, eventually ended up moving back to North Carolina and then out to Las Vegas and training out there for eight, 18 months. And along that process, it gave me a much deeper appreciation for each martial arts and kind of blurred the lines of which is which and saying, you know, okay, this is jujitsu, but the second a catch wrestling move works, well, then that can be jujitsu too. And this is Muay Thai, but man, if you want to throw a kick this way, which is a little bit more like Taekwondo, who really cares as long as it's effective? And I think as I learned to love each individual art, when I started really loving wrestling and really loving judo and really loving, you know, kickboxing and traditional Thai and spending time watching those matches in my free time to the same level that I was watching jiu-jitsu, it gave me a full appreciation for the variety of techniques and the depth that you can take each technique and each art to and then how much fun it is to combine all of that and make it into one big picture and to put it all together and to be completely open to adding anything to your game that works and to be willing to exclude something that works for someone else just because you find on your path it's not going to be effective. And so I think that to me was being a fighter is being open to whatever's going to work in that time set. And I think it also has a lot to do as I went through my journey as a fighter, I picked up so many other things in terms of like Daniel was talking about. When you start weight cutting, you start learning about nutrition you start learning how your body reacts to certain foods. Yep. Well, man, weight cutting takes you to a whole different level. It's going to carry you the rest of your life in terms of how you eat. And then when you start looking at mental preparation and the amount of intensity that comes into that moment backstage before they pull the curtain and you feel it and you feel it rising up and you, and you feel 
all there's the crazy no, You know what? There's no better feeling, yeah. and there's no feeling that could ever, like, substitute for that. It's crazy, and then in the blink of an eye, it's all over. Mm. And it's like the angel <laughs> and the devil are on your shoulder, and they're fighting it out, and they're like, you're unstoppable. You have the best training partners. There's nothing this guy can do to you. And then the other side's like, well, what if, what if that does happen? What, what if, if your what brother if you, sees you get knocked out? What if you put in all <laughs> that work, and, and you lose, and, and you're, you're fighting this mental yeah. battle? And so, yep. you know, I spent – I found a mental performance coach – I spent I dr- I flew over to England and spent five days working with him exclusively. Uh, uh, Eamon? Yeah. Am I, am I saying his name? I can never say his yeah, name. Yeah, I was right. going to ask. Eamon. Yeah. Like, how Eamon. was that? Because I've always Gosh. thought about like maybe trying to do something like that, get mentally prepared for. And yeah, so like, that was the one of the biggest turning points in my life. In terms of, I went there to learn how to become a good fighter, but man, he everything that's come out of our relationship has been so vast in terms of how I approach fighting, how I approach my life, how I approach my marriage, businesses that I'm involved in. And, I mean, Eamon was the best man at my the wedding. The mental fortitude to watch the beginning of Lion King 18 times in a yeah, row. Yeah, like, 18 times in a row, like it's exhausting. nothing. Like, yeah. like it's the first time for me every time. <laughs> it feels like the first time because Elton John feels is a like true. <laughs> Isn't that foreigner? Like, yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, so, sorry, we digress. So, uh, <laughs> at any rate. But, yeah, continue. so, I mean, I think all the things that I've gotten, when I look at how I've developed as a human being, between 20 and 30 and how much fighting has been the undercurrent of all of that and pushed me in certain directions and brought me in touch with people and, and created relationships that have, you know, pushed me in all these different directions. And so that's why I don't consider myself, you know, like, oh, I do martial arts in my spare time. I'm a fighter all the time. And even if I'm not fighting, that, that 100% drives who I am as a human. You mentioned before the show that you had to train wrestling until you loved it, until you really loved it. What, I'm ask, what I want to ask is, when you have that experience with a discipline where at first you're not good at something, it's frustrating. Do you find that you have to push through that? And do you always wind up loving the disciplines or are there, are there rankings that you're like, okay, I consider that I enjoy this innately more. Or is that something that when you push through it, you find something to love about wrestling, about judo, about Muay Thai. I think it just goes to the learning process of you have to learn it a certain way in every, for everybody that's different, but you have to find what lights the spark. And so I think when I look at my wrestling career, what happened was I ended up in Iraq and the second I got there, I was like, I am going to find, I was in a, it was late. This was not what you think of Iraq deployment. This is not the movies, people. This was uh, late. We were do- in the middle of the drawdown and I was on a base, basically on a general staff doing a lot of administrative work. Like you had a Burger King nearby, like on base like that. There was a Burger King, there was there? a Pizza yeah. Hut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was that We had setup. like, I think eight different flavors of ice cream available at every meal. Ooh. It was, it was an, yeah, ice cream. I, it calmed down. It's, it's not one more you're, weekend. You're summarizing my air force career, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I immediately knew I was going to find some training and I got there and the purple belt who had been leading the sessions had just left. And I was a purple belt at the time. And so I took over and they were, they were training twice a week. And I was like, well, who uses this space the other days? And they're like, nobody. I was like, okay, well sessions are now seven days a week. And so I started a seven-day-a-week MMA program. We had striking nights, jiu-jitsu nights, and then as luck would everything have it. that core focus on like striking the takedowns, like takedown and ground and pound, like that kind of just everything focused on. Yeah, we were always putting it all MMA. together. But, okay. I mean, it was, you know, just, just giving each night their, you know, just due and, and giving a chance to teach the basics. And as luck would have it, Eric Piper, who uh, majored in the Marine Corps, still, still active, he showed up. He was a Division II All-American wrestler. Mm-hmm. And he started teaching wrestling. And the way he taught it was very similar to how I learned jujitsu. He taught, if you do this move, you have these options. This is the tree. 
that you can work your way down. And there's always an option and a counter and an option and a counter. And the way I had originally been introduced to wrestling was like, you shoot and you take him down. And if he sprawls, you shoot harder. And if that doesn't work, then you go home and you run 10 miles and then do 10 wrestling practices <laughs> and then try it again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's great. I mean, it's a great mindset that wrestlers have. It makes them tough as nails. But for me, at that time, it didn't work. And I was so much into how jujitsu gave me options that when someone taught me wrestling with options, I was like, oh, this is awesome. You mean with each leg position he takes against a single leg as his defense, I have different finishes. Okay, now, now it's always fun and it made it more curious to me. And the same thing for striking. With most of my striking coaches, it was just, here's a combo, go do the combo and, and do your pad work and you'll learn how to kick harder over time. But no one ever gave to me the, you know, these are, and they would show like little isolated setups. So like, oh, in a return to the jab, you do this. But I started really dorking out on watching fights, and I was reading a lot of Jack Slack, which if you're not reading Jack Man, Slack and you like dude, MMA, yeah. you're just messing up. And so, Well, I guess I'm messing up. Man, you, you need to get him in your life because yeah. he started showing really what the game was to me. And then every sparring session to me was so much fun of like – Understanding like the – well, like I tell people look at striking like jiu-jitsu. Okay, like for jiu-jitsu you'll have here's the setup for the armbar, here's the attack cool and then they'll drill it instead of like here's what goes wrong here's how you counter okay here's an omoplata i guess i'm using the right jujitsu words i don't do it very much <laughs> but <laughs> no it's like it's like go -go plata, shrimp flying gogo -go plata <laughs> off the wall jump from the wall okay cool no it's um, the yolo it's like, plata actually. um in, in in the striking classes you know i see too many times it's like that here's a jab cross and a check instead of here's how you apply it here's if the check goes wrong here's the catch Here's from that check. Here's what you do. Here's the angle. It's that that tree that yeah. Branch I see a up. lot of that in your videos. Always always like watching your uh, your videos. Oh no, I do because it. you always <laughs> no. I get so weirded out when people stuff like, together. Well, I get weirded out when people say that, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm just winging it, man. Like this is what I like to do. Well, speaking but, of speaking of videos, we're gonna have Cody film a video of one of his favorite techniques for us. Yeah, at, we are at elevate at elevate yeah. MMA. And speaking of elevate MMA, wanted to, we want to talk to you about your idea to start the school. Um, what your and what your plans are for the school? Like, what, where did you get the idea to start an MMA academy here in the Triangle? And where's where are you going with that? I mean, I think probably I've always loved to teach. It's been something that I've always saw. You know, people always make fun of like the white belt who's teaching other white belts, but I was that white belt, a hundred percent, and I loved it. And I think in some instances early on, when I was like a white and a blue belt, I was almost a better instructor because I would literally only show verbatim what Jason and Billy taught me. And now when people are like, well, should I get the underhook? I'm like, I don't know. It depends, man. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes right? yes, sometimes no. It depends. But when, when you only have that small, simple understanding, it's very easy to give somebody an easy rule and say, hey, this is what you do. And so I always loved teaching. And then I started traveling around. And obviously I trained a long time at Forge Fitness with, with Jason and Billy. And that experience was incredible. And honestly, their level of instruction is second to none. And then my experiences at Team Quest, and then also while I was out in California, I, I trained around a lot. I would, I would travel, and so I trained with a lot of the checkmat guys. So like when Buchecha was a brown belt and he, he won brown belts at Worlds, I was there for that Worlds camp. I was getting ready for my blue belt Worlds, and Ari Farias was there. Um, you know, Kavaka, Lucas Leite, so a really you know a talented group at checkmat at that point. And then I started going down Alfredo Barnum down in San Diego has a really nice academy that he was very welcoming to us and uh, Joel Tudor who was at Surf Fight and, and now is the one of the instructors at Studio 540 that was kind of like that was Studio 540 before there was Studio 540 
in terms of training. So I got a lot of different experiences and seeing how different gyms trained and what they did. And I still like to travel around and always experience different things. I spent three weeks up at Marcelo's. And then obviously, you know, the final nail in the coffin for me was going out to Las Vegas and, and training out with Robert Drysdale. And also at that time, I trained, you know, with Extreme Couture a little bit, but mostly, most of my time was at Drysdale's and just seeing how much cultures differ, how much training philosophies and everything else. And I think, you know, if you love teaching and you love the martial arts, you want to see how you can put those two things together and create something of your own and create an academy. And I've always, you know, it's always been a dream of mine to be able to do this. And I think what we're doing at Elevate right now, and when I say we, my wife is so all in this with me in terms of every step of the construction process, she's pretty much planned out. And it's when, you know, when you see it, I'm so excited for everybody to see it. February 21st, put the date on your calendar because we're going to have a crazy event for charity. But when you see this academy, I mean, I've laid it by hand. I laid the floor by hand. I put in every mat. You know, my father-in-law was there basically working as the project manager. It's been a complete family affair and it's been an absolute labor of love. And that's just the beginning. I mean, how we built the academy is going to go into how we run the academy of... I'm so obsessed right now with how we set the culture early on and how we build the foundation and bringing in the right people and not allowing anybody to come in that's going to disrupt what we're trying to build. But at the same time, I realized that I have to be, you know, open to what shows up in terms of I'm the not guy that I don't, says they want to be the next UFC. Yeah, star well, the there's always those. And if they say that coming in the door, yeah. No, well, not even those guys, but in terms of I think I think there's going to be different people have different talents and you know looking at obviously Trevor you're an instructor at your school and you're not you don't own the school but man you have a big effect on culture and you've brought a lot of good things to Forge Fitness and a lot of positive steps Jeff you're not formally I mean I think you teach classes once in a while but you have a huge effect on Triangle and and not just you but you know a lot of the people everyone are, loves the Jeff Shaw everybody oh. does love Jeff Shaw but yeah. oh yeah each school is going to have some guys that come in you know. And I always think back to Forge Fitness. Jesse Jesse Iverson showed up day one at Forge. He's been a member yeah. there for 10 years and has always been a positive force there. And so I think, you know, I'm always going to try to set the tone. I'm always going to try to lead from example. You're always going to find me on the mats because I believe, you know, you got to lead from the front. But I'm also looking forward to the people that show up and take leadership roles as well in developing that culture and are going to be part of building on that foundation. How are you going to structure classes there? Are there going to be striking classes, wrestling classes, MMA classes, jiu-jitsu classes, or are you going to have a more, like, I'm just curious about your approach in that regard. Yeah, we're going to, so the original schedule, right off the bat, we're going to be doing no-gi grappling, gi grappling, and striking. So there's going to be a lot of line blurring within that, certainly, but... um you know, just a that, very. That's how all everything is, though. Like lines are lines start blurring in 1993. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the way I look at it. Like, even me, I have a hard time saying my classes are Muay Thai classes. Like, if you see my videos, it's not Muay Thai; it's just a blurred line. Cowboy and karate. Cowboy, Cowboy karate. karate. <laughs> Woo. No, yeah, um, I mean, when you got is, guys walking your elbows and switching yeah. stances. And, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that so? That's what you're going for, like that blurred line where it's like, not just that jujitsu. It's that here's everything that can be done from that. Uh, more from like fighting and competition, like the jiu-jitsu competition or MMA competition. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, and this is kind of, this goes to my entire philosophy on teaching and especially on, on running a school and helping martial artists find their own way, is for me it's about lighting a spark. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to teach you the things that I know that are fundamental 
And certain moves that are part of a fundamental curriculum, I don't necessarily consider true fundamentals. I consider it's more concepts that are fundamental. Mm-hmm. You know, spacing, timing, right. yes. footwork, that's fundamental. Your, your feet have to get you there. How they get you there is a question of your own expression. But this is what they have to accomplish. And this is some different ways of doing it. And, and now go find your own way. So I think the classes awesome. are really that's, getting that's, a, good, that's, that's the mindset I love to that's see. That's a good yeah. way to look at it. I never yeah. thought about that. I'm gonna, yeah. I need to write that down. But you see, I mean, I think, I think a lot of well, inch- that, that creates yeah. different tempos, and mm-hmm. and having those different tempos in the same room creates uh, uh, differences in training partners, which create good competitors. If you have everyone that goes for an armbar the same way, you're gonna have someone attack you a different way, and it's like, oh no, you know, it's like you're gonna have like you're gonna have that one goofy guy in the room that does the goofy stuff. And you want to encourage that because it works for him. So then you have, like, that guy, like, then that person that trains with him in that competition is like, oh, this dude's really goofy. I know how to handle this. Like, that's how it is. Like, with Chris, he's a guido. Like, I know how to handle it. So Cody's definitely got his own striking style. That's for sure. Oh, that's for dang sure, yeah. And I think that's, you know, that was part of what's been for me is I always had to find my own way of I'm never going to be – I mean, I've had some serious, serious neck problems, and so I'm not going to be a guy that just lines you up and hits blast doubles. I wish I was, man. Blast doubles are awesome. They look cool. Super effective, but I just I just can't do it. I'm I'm in this game for the long term, so I'm trying to keep my longevity. Um, you know, my jujitsu is is very awkward and different, and I think very uh, unorthodox. And and same thing. Yeah. I think my striking. Once I stopped trying to be a textbook striker and allowed myself to step outside the box and start playing with some new elements, I found a whole new thing that was just like, wow, this is this is opening up everything for me, and I can start. I mean, obviously, I like to think about the game a lot. And so I like laying traps for people all in everything I do in my technique. I just want it to be a trap of like, you're so used to seeing this look a thousand times and this is what this means. And for me, it means the opposite. And I'm just leading you in. And Boomer and I were talking after uh, the tournament yesterday. He's like, man, your game is so annoying. Like the, the second or third time I rolled with you, I feel like I could, you know, at least shut you down and you were, you know, winning, but you weren't submitting me as much. But the first time we rolled together, you tapped me like 20 times just because I wasn't used to it. And because... You know, I'm looking at winning an MMA fight. No, most of the time, you know, Daniel Brandt's excluded. You haven't trained with the guys you're fighting, or at least, you know, so it's a brand new person. Mm-hmm. So, man, I only need to catch you once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the time you figure out that the stove's hot, I've already, I've already won my hands raised. I'm, I'm, out, <laughs> I'm out of the cage cashing the check. Yeah. That sound clip. So you're, already, you're, you're sitting back there at home, and you're like, man, that was kind of annoying. I shot in. I didn't think I was in danger, and, and all of a sudden I was tapping, and uh, I wish I could get another fight with that guy. That's not how I don't do rematches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't. <laughs> you've, so, you've already learned too much. <laughs> so your most high-profile fight was probably the one in the World Series of Fighting, but was that your favorite fight? And if not, what, what is your favorite fight? Was it one of those where you caught the guy with one of your own orthodox? Your... No, so that one, that one was definitely my favorite, and I think for a lot of reasons. One, I love, I love the pressure. Like, I love the big stage because I constantly, in my head, I constantly think about, like, all those news stories you see of, like, mom lifts car off baby. I'm like, in every single person, there's unlocked potential. And I'm going to need a lot of pressure. I'm going to need something crazy to happen to me to get to my absolute height. I need the best opponent at the biggest venue in the hardest fight with some tough circumstances, and that's going to get me there. And, you know, the World Series of Fighting... It was crazy. I mean, I'd recently found out that my wife was pregnant. We had already decided we were moving back to North Carolina. I was kind of on cruise control training. I was, I was learning and, and 
going deep into some technique stuff and I wasn't in shape and my strength and conditioning coach had kind of pulled the, you know, pulled the throttle back and we were, we were cruising basically to, to have me move and I was getting ready for that. And then 22 days out from the fight, I got a text from Robert Drysdale. He said, world series of fighting wants a one thirty five er And I said, there's, there's no way I talked to my wife. I gave her the quick, like, this is the deal. And she's like, yeah, there's, there's no way you're turning that down. And so, you know, I had, I had three weeks to get ready and I had to lose 23 pounds in three weeks. So, you know, weight cutting was going to be a big part of that. And then, you know, which is not, that's not an abnormal weight cut for me, but you know, that was, you know, just a condensed time schedule to think about it and start moving things in that direction and, you know, try to get in shape. We, we did some intense stuff strength conditioning wise and, and really finishing up and then coming into the fight. You know, I was super excited. I was just, is is an amazing experience. World Series of Fighting is so professional. They're like the U.S. grappling of fight promotions in that they're so fighter-focused and they love their fighters and they take care of them so well. And, uh, you know, so it was just, it was fun. It was, you know, doing the, like the promo photos and everything else. I was just having a blast that, that time. And I was just in the zone. And then I found out the day before the fight that Drysdale couldn't corner me. And uh, it was due to his suspension with Nevada Athletic Commission and he wasn't gonna be able to be in my corner and so that was tough and uh luckily Evan Dunham who I was really good friends with and and respected a lot stepped up and and was able to corner me but that was kind of you know when I talk about you know being in a uncomfortable situation all of a sudden my corner I've been picturing this over and over in my head the guy that I expected to be there talking to me the whole time is, is gone now a day before the fight and uh then we get into you know, we're upstairs and, and I know the fight's televised. I was just so excited. And I came out to shout and, and the arena just went crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people who were listening on the, on the broadcast were saying that Boss Rutten was just like loving it. He was just going crazy for like my walkout music and everything else. And honestly, this guy was a little wrestler, Adam Aquaviva, tough guy, trained across town. I knew a little bit about him. And I just, you know, I, I thought he wasn't on my level, honestly. And I thought I was going to walk through him. And uh, came out, and he he was ready for me in terms of he wasn't going to go to the ground, no matter what. He was not gonna he wasn't gonna shoot. He wasn't gonna allow me to take him down. He's a short guy, so it's hard to get underneath him, and he just wasn't gonna have it. Yeah, he defended well in that fight. I watched it. Yeah, and it was it was so his defense was on point, and he came out. He's leg kicking me up. I was in, I was in an orthodox stance at first, and then about midway through the second round. I was I just you know everything clicked on and I was just started to have a blast and I threw my first flying knee bar of the fight in the second round trying to catch him and I almost had the knee bar and then I jumped off to the guillotine and he jumped back up and that was kind of my that was my missed opportunity to, to put him away and then after that it turned into a striking battle and everything I was talking turn I was you know <laughs> flying knees spinning back fist I was just emptying it and I was fighting lefty I'd switched up I hadn't really drilled a lot of lefty but I was starting to like it a lot and so a lot of concepts that I was just starting to integrate, the flying knee bars and, and the striking, I was bringing out in this fight on the, you know, in front of everybody. And, man, I, I pieced him up in the second and third round, and I just lit him up. His, his face was just a mess at the end, and he was covered in blood. And they read the decision. It was a split decision, and I lost. And, uh, but Boss Root was very outspoken. He yeah. was saying, I'm pretty sure that dude won. Like, yeah. Boss had my back. But honestly, I mean, it was, it was a tough decision. It was going to be tough to go either way. And... Uh, but just the experience of being there and, and having that moment, and it felt so free. Like, I felt the way I wanted to feel fighting. And, and so that, that, for me, was the best one. Absolutely. 
We have a couple more minutes left with Cody Malte, and we're always in this spot where we want to talk to people longer. So I want to give the listeners a preview. We're not. We're going to have a bonus segment with Cody of about a half an hour that we're going to call the Concussion Cast OT, a little overtime. We're going to post that to our SoundCloud. It's also going to be available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you don't subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, please do or go to our SoundCloud page for a little bit uh, of extra time with Cody Malte because I know yeah. I have a bunch more questions. It's going to get real into. in the OT, so don't. <laughs> all this. This is just the the preamble. We we put down like a fifth of Jack Daniels, and then we get really deep and dark uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm turn on some pink floyd it's gonna yeah. get real yeah for real it's good we got Are you coaching today trevor because if you <laughs> lay off the jack please no 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 hey i'm i'm <laughs> but keep the pink nowadays, floyd up right keep yeah. the pink floyd up we're gonna have a laser light show during the training right. sober ish <laughs> so i so have a couple so cody malte's elevate mma academy is opening up in february and you're going to start with this charity open mat on february 21st which is going to benefit the hip-hop federation maybe in the last couple of minutes you can tell us a little bit about that what people can expect and why they should come out and support so yeah, Hip Hop Chess Federation has been around on the West Coast, and uh, it's an organization that aims to use the arts and chess and martial arts to influence young people and, and really you know, help them along in their journey and kind of give some of the same benefits that I think anyone listening who's a martial artist has, has found through the martial arts. And so that, of, that organization is coming to the East Coast. Dwan Owens, who's been a guest here multiple times, he is very involved, and Dwan and I are really close, and I think you know, we're looking at you know, the impact we can have between both the Hip Hop Chess Federation and having a you know, true MMA school in the area. I think we want to do some things that are hopefully going to have a, a big and, and lasting impact for the area. So we're going to have an open mat on the 21st. We're, we're looking for you know, donations to Hip Hop Chess Federation. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to have some chess demos going on. We're going to have some live you B-boys. Food trucks. We're going to have a live DJ. <laughs> what? So yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be like a, a carnival event. It's going to be crazy. Um, so I really hope everybody makes it out to that. Intern Chris is doing face painting. Don't worry about, you know, <laughs> it's not about flying flags or anything else. We're not, we're not going to hit you with any Elevate MMA sales pitch. <laughs> uh, come, out, come out and see the school because, honestly, you know, we've put a lot of time and love into it. And I can't wait to show everybody. And I think it's for a great cause. And, you know, we're going to have a lot, of, uh, a lot of people there hopefully, you know, showing some good technique and uh, doing some open mat and some fun stuff like that. Yeah, I'll definitely. Hip Hop Chess Federation is an outstanding uh, cause, and so kudos to you for, for for doing the benefit. I'll definitely be there, taking some pictures, taking some audio. We'll talk about it on the show. Is this going to be just a jiu-jitsu open mat, or is it going to be like a Sunday Fun Day open mat, or is it? Just... Yeah, I mean, it's it's whatever you want to make it, Trevor. If you no, want, to... shut up. It's your school. Shut up. Do you want to come over and punch somebody? No, I mean, like, because we usually have like our Sunday. <laughs> the police station's right there. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, I'm expecting. We'll we'll see what the turnout's like. I'm expecting at least like a hundred people on the mat. I feel like all of us being on the ground will be safer because it's about 1,300 square feet of mat space. So it's going to be nice and right on. sweaty and fun. Well, folks, uh, this has been one of my favorite shows yet. I want to thank each of the guests. Daniel Branch, the head case, he fights next weekend in Raleigh. Go to our Facebook page for information on how to get tickets and support him. Cody Malte opening Elevate MMA Academy February 21st is the open mat event. Please show up and support that. We have some tremendous guests coming up for you in the next few weeks, and so please stick with us. Surprise, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes if you don't already. Cody, do you have some parting words for the listeners? Just a, a quick, huge thank you to my wife, Lauren, because honestly – the amount of support that she's had to give in all of this and her family, my family helping out. I mean, it's been, it's been a huge team effort. And so I definitely didn't want to get off the radio without telling her how much it means. And I'm sure she appreciates it as much as we do. Trevor, anything to say? No, I'm just looking forward to this OT show. See if it gets weird. I'm looking forward <laughs> to the, uh, 
the Elevate Academy grand opening. I might do some of that tackle and grapple. I don't know. I'll it never, shot. ever gets weird enough for me. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. this is the Cage Talk Concussion Cast. My thanks to Daniel Branch, Cody Malte, and my co-host Trevor Hayes, and of course, intern Chris. Also you, Mandy. Thanks. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and we're going to let Tune in the Real Law play us out. See y'all next Sunday. listening to WHUPLP Hillsborough 104.7 on the dial and on the web at whupfm.org that's whupfm.org the following program about musicians in the music industry is produced in Portland Oregon and broadcast on only a few